Hopefully there won't be too much background noise. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. I'm Naomi. I'm Liz. <laughs> We're the Run Galloway Girls. And nothing will be worse than when we recorded in that echoey, echoey that's right. uh, hallway. So I at the feel hotel like we'll be okay. in LA. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> nothing will be worse than that. So <laughs> Here we are. It's actually a Wednesday. We're actually publishing this. It's so funny because last week we were like, yeah, we're going to publish two episodes today. And we didn't <laughs> last week Oops. because I got really scared um, after sharing my news. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to hold it. But this week we really will publish two episodes. So you'll get to hear this like <laughs> closer. It is actually Wednesday, September 13th. And hopefully we'll actually post this close to it. But close to. It's I episode 40. It's episode 40, which oh is incredible. Gosh. 12 more, and we will have done a year worth, a year's worth of episodes. And we're like way, we're not 12 weeks to the end of the year, are we? I don't know. No. But we are six weeks to the Marine Corps Marathon. <laughs> we are Whoa. six weeks to the Marine Corps Marathon. <laughs> and we are ready. I mean, we're ready. We're to be ready. We're ready to, we have a plan. <laughs> we have an actual plan. Yes. And it's going to have us peaking at 30 miles, which is really exciting. For 30, the week. For the week. 35 miles for the week, which is, I mean, that's a beginner marathon plan. Like, we're going to get it done. So yeah. it's exciting. Yeah. We're going to, we're, and we'll share the details of the plan. Yeah. We, so... We uh, actually ran, yeah, we ran over double digits this weekend. And felt great. And felt really good. And it was great because it was actually, it was kind of a leap of faith jump from, we had pool ran for two hours, but we yeah. hadn't been on land for more than like three to five miles yeah. in months. And it just was a leap of faith to go to 10, which we ended up being 11. We felt great, have had yeah. no problems since then. It's been, yeah, so we... I mean, 11, 11 miles, miles, two hours-ish, so I think it was like 202. Yeah. Really easy intervals. We did 1530s the whole time, which yes. is so funny to think like a couple years ago, we would have done that same pace with 3030s. Right. And now we're running so much less. And like even before that, like doing we, doing 45s and 30s right. and one in 30s. Right. We would and do a lot like, of 60, 30s, and 45, 30s for our long runs back when you look back at these slower paces. A few years ago. And yeah, it's it's really, really funny. Like I think I would have such a hard time running these paces using a Long. longer interval. Although, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure we could do it. I would. It would just take me some work to like figure that out. <laughs> and I think that's why we felt so good after was these super short intervals. And I think a lot of because people because it was so much walking, which these. is so great. Yeah, yeah. double so, the time walking that you're running. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> And it's almost like you get a little bit more of that, um, a little bit more of that runner's high too, because you're running at this like, this more intense yeah. clip. So you get that big endorphin rush, and then this long recovery. Thirty seconds feels like forever when you're doing fifteen thirties. Yeah. We did fifteen thirties again yesterday. Yeah, and and great. again we're clicking around like an eleven minute mile, like mm-hmm. low elevens or whatever, and some high tens and mid tens. And yeah. it's it's definitely like a pace that we were, you know, mentally not. We weren't thinking other times because we didn't think you could do that with the 1530s. To be honest, we were not thinking about pace when we ran this weekend or even running yesterday. We were just kind of keep it easy, keep it fun, keep it light. And that's, we just ended up being about 11 minute pace. Now, just because you're hearing us talk about doing 11 minute miles using 1530s, 
Do not get discouraged if your 1530s are 14 minutes. 14 minutes. Whatever your 3030s are, whatever your 4530s are, whatever, like, let's say you're doing two and 30s and holding an 11 minute mile. Your 1530s might be more like 1230. Or 13, don't stress about it. Right. Um, as you practice, if you're doing your long runs and 11 minutes is like a, you know, the right pace for your long runs, you know, you're a 930-ish racer, you will eventually be able to speed up your shorter intervals as you work on your foot speed. Like, I truly believe that. Like, I think that shorter intervals just teach you to run faster. And then once you have a quicker turnover and a faster turnover, um, then everything else will kind of come up. And this is actually how to get faster. Cut your your intervals. intervals. If you want to get faster... Like, run faster for shorter amounts of time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think we've talked about it before. Do one quick interval followed by two to three easy intervals and repeating that, those strides, like, that will really help get that cadence turnover foot speed all all pumping. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a big thing that we've, you know, we went into it, and the reason we, we chose 1530s, because I think the week before we were doing 3030s, like midweek, we did not want to push ourselves. Right. The whole point was, this was our long, slow run that we haven't done anything this long in a while. We need to have a lot of endurance saved up. And I said at the beginning, I said, let's make it so that we feel at the end of this two hours that we have another hour in the tank easily yeah. and we're not spent at all. And Because we sometimes we go out and we have long runs and we get excited and we push and we do progression runs and we do things that you right. know we're not in the shape to do right now. So... Our goal was to really keep it easy, and that's where we said we said 1530s, and we ended up never switching it to anything longer. Yeah. And it was perfect because we did feel at the end of that that we could have ran longer. We had plenty of energy left. And so, and then, you know, pace was just an afterthought. And so yeah. we, but again, like that's what it shows is that you might cut your intervals in half and still run the same paces that you were running with those longer ones that you have cut, you know, come to think of your long run intervals, like whether they're 30, 30s, 45, 30s, 60, 30s. Yeah, whatever you usually do. Yeah. You might come to find that actually you are faster with the shorter ones like we have or, or the same. Yeah, with the or ones. the same and you just get more recovery mm-hmm. or, and, and it's not just the recovery piece. I truly think that we're getting a little bit more benefit by using that quicker foot speed. Like I, I do, yeah. because I do know that there are some people who don't change up their intervals and they just change up their paces. And let's say they're doing two and 30 and they're very, very good at doing two and thirties at, eight, nine-minute miles when they need to do that fast, and at 11-minute miles, right. they just are able to slow their run speed down. That's not really me. <laughs> um, but it's, I mean, like, if you have that wide range in your running speeds, I think that, you know, have at it, that's great. But I think so many of us, once we start to slow our run speed down, will just continue to slow our run speed down. It'll, we won't get that neuromuscular benefit right. of running faster. And so by shortening those intervals, you're able to use that quick, efficient run speed. And I mean, it's still not sprinting. It's still right. not top, top long distance running form. It's just quicker than easy run. But because you have all this walking, the benefit still remains at easy run level. It's a way to take your 
take kind of that gray zone running and get to do it. <laughs> right. And it removes, like, yeah, I think you're right. I think if you get, you know, to where you are consistently running slower and slower to do these, like, longer intervals. Yeah, 2 and 30 is a great example. Then you're going to teach your legs how to, like, slog. You're going to – Right. Now, that might be helpful if you're – like an ultra distance person or something, but you're going to convert more of your muscles to like slow twitch well, versus to fast twitch. And I think, I think so many people slow down and they don't focus on cadence. I think yeah. if you're keeping your cadence up and running slow, very different. But I think right. so many people slow their foot speed down yeah. to slow their pace down. And you really have to just shorten your stride and keep that cadence up. And that's what shorter intervals allow you to do. Yeah, especially with 15 so, seconds because yeah. it's just, it's so quick between the beeps and like, yeah, so I just think about my, you know, my my turnover and yeah. really we're not sprinting and like you said, it is, you know, it's not a push at all, but yeah. it's just that I think about the turnover in those 15 seconds. And it's it was funny because we did, we ended up doing 1530s yesterday. Yeah. Um, as well, just because that, that was what was set on my watch. Um and I was like, you know, like at first I was like, man, we should really switch the interval. We should be running different stuff. And I was like, you know, even if we did this entire next training cycle, all in 1530s, we're going to get to our goal of doing the marathon. Right. And finishing the marathon. So like letting go of some of these preconceived things that we should, we could, right. all of that. I mean, oh, wow. Is Spe- that our chart from yesterday? So this is our chart from yesterday. And Look so how much faster we got what's amazing, <laughs> yeah, we did. And what's amazing is, like, so our average was 11.22. Our best was a six-minute, you know, 15-second. But, but that's with that long, remember, you had a two-minute break. Yeah, oh, yeah, because we stopped at, I stopped, at the light, I forgot to, yeah. or not Pause. light, but the cro- crosswalk, I forgot to turn off, yeah. But what's amazing is, yeah, like, it, our legs got our, you know, when we hit those 725s or when that's kind of our average run speed, that's our average run speed with these 15 seconds. That's teaching us to have our average run speed, this faster run speed, because if we consistently, like for me, for example, last year when I was running alone and doing 3030s, my average run speed would be more like an eight-minute mile. Right. And so that was the leg speed my legs would click into. When I ran Army 10-miler and didn't use run-walk, I clicked into an eight-minute pace. When we run together and we click into the 720 pace, and that's, like, consistently what we had with it yeah. kind of edging up where we started at 7, seven or 750, and it kind of drops to 720 towards yeah. the end, we're teaching our legs to that 725 is, like, metronome pace. And so then when we you know, do anything else, it will be there. It'll be, we'll and have it there for longer what's intervals. Cool, what's cool about it is you really can, when you get used to it and you're using an appropriate lot, like that run speed will still be there when you're tired right. for short bursts. And so that's why these short intervals can be so helpful. Um, I remember running with, uh, with Lauren during the Marine Corps Marathon and we were pacing her, and we were giving her the opportunity, the yes. option to choose run or walk. With um, run or walk with thirty thirty, like the bridge, we were yeah. like twenty plus so miles in. We would give her this these options, and like we, she would say, "Keep running," and I would notice like at the next one, you know. She'd start to slow down during the run, and I'd be like, no, you have to walk because we have to get this run up faster. Like, that's also, like, if you think about it that way, like, by taking these walk breaks, you're going to get your run faster, which is going to get you there faster. 
if your like run speed is progressively slowing down, take a break, reset. It's almost yeah, it's like it's pushing a reset the reset button. button. Yeah, walk yeah. breaks are reset buttons. So. Well, anyway, we have six weeks and <laughs> six weeks to the marathon. Yep. And I looked back because we kind of shared my Boston build. I literally did one run a week. Yeah, when you look back weeks. and you realize you weren't doing any midweek runs, which we didn't think no. about that when we were yeah, trying to how you did Boston. I was doing no midweek runs. I did two, so six weeks. Well, seven weeks out, because this is race week, the 17th. Okay. So seven weeks out, I did a total of 14 miles. I did an eight-mile run and a six-mile run. And then the next week, I did a 13.1 and a 3.1, so 16 miles. Then I did one 19-mile run. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then I did a 7.6-mile run, did a 23-mile run, and a five-mile run that I ran Boston. Crazy. And so we're, our build is going to be pretty similar. Right. The same kind of like, same kind of weeks to get to Boston or to get to Marine Corps. We've got, um, we're going to peak at 33 miles uh, two weeks before Marine Corps. So with a 23 mile long run. With a 23 mile long run. And then, oh, we have to move these all one week up. Because this Marine Corps is the 29th. Yeah, but that's the beginning of the week. The 23rd is the week. These are are the beginnings of the week. So we already did that, the 9-4. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I so do we've, Monday starts. But we're going to do, <laughs> so essentially we're jumping up from, yeah, 11 to 17 to 20. with And each week we've got about, we got two midweek runs that are about five miles. We, that's what we yeah. just assume, about five. I mean, yesterday was 5.67. It could be five. It could be four. Yeah. It could be six. Yeah, and but we're just not. We just don't want to rely on those midweek runs right. being more than than a total of ten miles, um, and that is that is like not because we can't. That is an intentional kind of um, like distance limit that I think really puts us in a good place um, because we're still concerned about Naomi's foot mm-hmm. not aggravating too much. We're still, I mean, obviously with my pregnancy, five miles is a lot. Like all of this is going to be a is huge, a, lot. a huge ask it for like going through, going into unknowns. So, so we're keeping yeah. it to kind of the basic, you know, the minimum essentially not. I mean, the minimum would be, I guess, what you did for Boston. But the minimum right. of like a <laughs> traditional plan, what would be the minimum? Be two mid-week runs of, you know, 45 to minutes to an hour. Yeah. And, and then like, a long run. If we have to swap any of those mid-week runs for a ride or for a, a pool. Walk or, a, yeah. A, yeah, a long walk or a pool run, we definitely have that ability too. Um now I was looking at this, and if you decide to go ahead and run Richmond or run Philly, Philly three weeks later, three weeks later, there's actually enough time right after Marine Corps if we take it really easy. Like I would say, make the decision before Marine Corps whether mm-hmm. you know so that we can adjust and just do Marine Corps slower. Um, there's enough time to get some speed work in. As long as, you know, two or three weeks into this, you're feeling good. Right. There's enough time to get some speed training in before Philly. Because we could pop some speed training in to, like, two weeks from now. Yeah. So I think we should, yeah, plan on that, like, based on how we're feeling each week. So, like, if the 17 mm -hmm. goes well, then let's plan to pop in some speed work 
or yeah. I can if you're not feeling it, right? And then, yeah. then you know, again, same thing. Kind of reevaluate with that yeah. twenty, and then that twenty-three, because that's where that's where I'll know, like, like oh no, I you know I'll slog through Marine Corps if I have to, but if like the twenty-three is really painful on my foot, which I don't think it will be, yeah, I'm gonna you know knock on wood here, but like my doctor said, essentially this does seem like a successful round because that's it's, good. the pain is getting less. We're at now seven or eight weeks out from the PRP, and the pain's continuing to get less. Yeah, and. Well, Worst case, I can even get another, like, booster of it. So yeah. there's and options. It's, it was and I'm really starting PT good. today. Yay! So. It was really good that he kind of reaffirmed my thought with, like, hey, if, right. if this PRP got you 80% better, one more will get you, like, 80 more percent of right. wherever you are now. will get you, like, Which that be like 8%. 98%. So then you'll be, <laughs> no, it'll get you, t- wouldn't that just get well, you? Well, 80% if you have 20% oh, left. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it'd be 16, so 96%. 96%. But, and then, like, it's just, like, kind of inching up. Right. And what know? I, like, my, you know, I was like, it's all or nothing. It's, it's either yeah. going to work or it's not. And you yeah. were like, no, 80% or even 50% is yeah. success. Yeah, because, so, well, because it's so easy once you start to feel better to remember how much like to forget how disruptive something was oh for sure because and also when you've been in pain for so long you forget what feeling really good feels like right I remember I was in a really bad car accident and I had all this like widespread pain in my back and in my ribs and they said at the end of 12 weeks like this is the chiropractor said at the end of 12 weeks and it wasn't Dr. Phil it was a different one you're going to feel better. And I, like, did some reading, and apparently after a car accident at the end of 12 weeks, most people feel better whether or not they do treatment. Yeah. So I remember at the end of 12 weeks, I was like, I don't feel better. Something is wrong here. And that's, like, kind of when we started to look at, um, like, diving in, like, why was I still inflamed and in pain 12 weeks later, like, when I didn't really have an injury? And that's when I was diagnosed with costochondritis, and oh. um, and that was like the inflammation in my ribs. And my doctor was like, "Well, I just think your ribs are like extra mobile, and they're just moving, and that's what's causing all this inflammation." I was like, "Wait a second! I've heard this. I've heard this about my ankle. I've heard this about my yeah. knee. I've heard this about my shoulder." And that's when I was like, "Do I have this connective tissue disorder?" And uh, it's Eller Stanless and right. And I brought like the criteria to my doctor, and he's like. I think you do. He's like, can you do all these tricks? I was like, yeah, I can. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it was so self-diagnosed because based yeah. on well, kind of that after that injury. The or, craziest you know. thing is I had like seen Eller Stanlos before when I had, I, I my knees used to dislocate Ugh. and <laughs> which is really gross. And I remember like reading about it and being like, well, I can't have this because I'm not super flexible because I can't do the straddle splits. Oh my gosh. But I could like bend, I could bend like forward and backwards in a way that like normal people can't bend. Right. And, and other joints now, yeah, and, and thank goodness, like, like in my forties, like I'm, I'm much tighter. Like all of my joints are much tighter. I'm much less, like I haven't, ha- I haven't woken up with my shoulder out of socket in like six good. years. It's great. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, because like you do tighten up as you get older. Right. When I was younger, it was bad. I would wake up and literally have to like pull my shoulder to put it back in the socket. Oh my gosh. That's (laughs) terrible. You get used to it. (laughs) Yeah. At least it wasn't painful. No, it wasn't. But yeah, so that's like, I think that was my, um, you know, my black or white 
kind of mindset that I yeah. have sometimes is that I was thinking if, you know, it's either going to work or it's not. I yeah. wasn't thinking about the fact that there's levels of it working. And so, and you progression, know, and, and I wanted to be a light switch where it just, it's fixed. It's all better. Yeah. Of course, that's what we want, right? We want zero pain. But I think, yeah, definitely shown that, you know, it's working. The PRP is working. Um, and so, yeah, we'll just build up and see how it goes over, you know, and just like with you, we'll just week by week, we have to, right. you have to evaluate how you're feeling, right? whether you want to do the running or not, because I know I've been and there. It's, and it's funny how quickly time goes, right? Mm-hmm. Like when you're standing at the, at the beginning of oh the gosh. idea of eight weeks off, six weeks off, right? you're like, how am I ever going to get through this? But at the end of it, it's like, oh, that really wasn't that bad. Like, right. right? Like. I mean, I'm even like kind of looking back at your like because our because our timelines are so similar. I'm looking back at your pregnancy with Julian, right, and really thinking like, wow, like that flew by from the outside. Oh my like, gosh! Like looking back, but now like looking ahead at my pregnancy, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like so like this is so much ahead of me. Yeah, well, it's so it's so true, and what everyone says, like you're you know every time I'm talking to clients, anybody who has, you know, grown kids, right? Yeah. And their kids turning 18 or going to college or, and it's like, they tell you how it flies by. And it's, it is so true because in the moment, every single day does seem like it's long Yeah. with, you know, a three-year-old and 11-year-old or whatever. But then, yeah, you reflect back. And so when I'm looking ahead and being like, oh, five years from now or this or that, and then the reality will hit that like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I just like right now with having an 11-year-old, which I still can't believe, Yeah. you know, 11 years ago seemed like yesterday with, you know, having her. So like, it's yeah, it's it's true. It really time flies way faster. It just keeps getting faster and faster. So yeah, it is crazy. Uh, but um, yeah, I think we well, you probably have another topic, but we should talk about oh, this yeah. article we've been meaning to bring up. Oh yeah, for a while now the because peace and love. Yeah, so this is an article. This is a this is new research about soft tissue injuries, and so we've I think we talked about it before that ice is not or rice. So rice is the old adage. Right. Rest, ice, compression, elevation. Right. Um, And ice was the problem in there because the ice oftentimes works against the, you know, the soft tissue injuries or things like planter. Ice is something that feels really good in the moment. And so ice should be used when you have to numb something in order to immediately get pain relief. Right. So you can, right before an event, go ahead, like, if my shoulder was hurting, um, like, I, my shoulder actually really was hurting when I was, like, doing triathlons the last couple tries that I did, and I would ice leading up to jumping in the water to swim, and that is an appropriate use of ice because I am using it for pain management to get through the event. It is like taking a Tylenol. Right. It is not, Tylenol does nothing other than make you feel a little less pain. Stop the pain. Like, it blocks a little bit of the pain sensors and in your it. brain. But it's not doing anything not healing to heal the, anything. Right. And the same thing with ice. Well, I don't think ice is super damaging. Right. I don't think it's going to heal anything. But it will It will take the pain away if you have to push through. Um, so ice before, not after. Yeah, and the other one that, that needs to be taken away from that old adage is, is the R for rest because... Actually, a lot of times we do need some movement to right. heal it. So we need blood flow. And right. if you're completely resting, you're going to have no blood flow. You're actually going to end up, you know, 
probably with mobility issues and right. stiffness Atrophy, from yeah. yeah from leaving everything alone and not and completely resting and like sitting on the couch. So the new so this came out in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. Um, we'll share the link and um, the new acronym is peace and love so so cute yeah we it's very very cute so So peace is protection and then elevation avoid anti-inflammatories hold on for those in the back avoid anti-inflammatories take your advil take your leave take your your naproxen take your voltaren take your celebrex whatever it is i don't think celebrex is on the market anymore (laughs) throw it throw it out out the window (laughs) Do not take anti-inflammatories. Do not take NSAIDs. Do not take corticosteroids. They are to be used in very short amounts of time in very controlled specific situations, not all the time, not immediately upon injury. So avoid anti-inflammatories until they become absolutely necessary and there's no other thing to do. And one of the parts of that, of the subscript of that, is avoid ice. So it's avoid anti-inflammatory meds and ice. Those are the anti-inflammatories to avoid. Uh, Compression education. I like that. Load optimism, vascularization, and exercise. So vascularization could be heat, right? Oh, no. Choose um, pain-free. Okay. Cardiovascular activities to increase blood flow. So your first steps are are protection. So you you do avoid activities that cause pain, but you're not completely resting. So if your foot hurts, say planter. A mistake that people make with planter because it does get better as you continue as to run up. as it warms up. When you start to have that that pain from planter immediately, you've got to start some of those activities that those stretching things that do warm it up but don't cause more impact. So mm-hmm. step back off the road from running and get in the pool and do some pool running. Right. Get on the bike, do some other cardio as you're kind of stretching to kind of get that planter back into check. Yeah, so protect it, don't rest it. Elevation, now that's especially if there's possible swelling, yeah. you know. And then the, we talked about avoiding infl- infl- anti-inflammatories. Compression to to reduce swelling. Again, compression may or may not be the key. It depends yeah. on the type of injury. But sometimes with the protection and support, something like, Something like, like a taping, compression socks, taping, a taping compression KT socks, taping. a little compression sleeve. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically on your arch, yep, and ankle, the little like, planter sleeves. Yeah, if you've got an ankle thing, sometimes just a little wrap can be really helpful. Yes, and it's not that that wrap or whatever is actually doing anything for the joint. It's not that that wrap or anything is actually providing support or protection for the injured joint. What it is doing is providing a little feedback from your skin and your nerves to your brain to go, hey, protect me. I'm not okay. And so that's one of the reasons, like bracing doesn't actually brace. And sometimes, sometimes actually it can provide a lot of pain relief. But sometimes all it does is give you a visual reminder that you are trying to rest there's, something. <laughs> yeah, there's like a lot of evidence out there that KT taping is often a placebo effect, but mm-hmm. it's a placebo effect that works. Placebos work. So That's- if it's a placebo that works, then do it. So if KT tape feels better on the injury site, yeah. then do it. If those little PT sleeves or special socks help you, then yeah. do it. Well, you found a lot of relief yeah. with those little uh, the, planner The planner socks, socks the planner yeah. like arch thing, the, you know, yeah. the compression socks that we wear that are, again, 
maybe a placebo, but for our long runs, they help us. They give us. I think that they really do do improve, like kind of bounce back and like you get get (laughs) some like it's they're almost like compression socks is almost like getting to turn your legs into super shoes. (laughs) Right, right, because they give you that that balance. Yeah. So then once the piece, once you've done the piece steps, which is like the immediate, then you can come back with the the love when you can put some. So then you're starting to come back into your activities. That you love. So load is gradually returning to your normal activities. Yeah. And this will depend on the injury and like what you're so if you had a PRP injection, that's you know, anywhere from a few weeks to six weeks of of not of just but, doing peace. Uh, but let's <laughs> but let's say, you know, you had let's say you had an acute thing. You went outside, you rolled your ankle on a run mm-hmm. and you had this like kind of instability feeling. You know, you may go into this piece thing and don't make the mistake that I made when I rolled my ankle and rest, like completely rest from everything. Go ahead and rest from running, but get yourself into a pool, get yourself, excuse me, on a bike, really like keep that cardiovascular piece up. Right. So that when you're reloading, you're not going from zero zero work (laughs) into reloading on running. You're actually just going, okay, you were 100% running, and then you went to 100% 100 cardio non-running. Yes. Then you load back with 20% running, 80% cardio non-running, and then you can slowly just swap out. It's exactly what we've done for me, where I kept up, you know, except for the first two weeks where I was not, you know, I was restricted. I then went back to, we did pool running and we did spinning, cycling, and we were doing seven to nine hours a week of activity, cardio activity. And right now we're back to seven to nine hours a week of running and a combination. I'm only at like five. (laughs) True. But like with with still doing some some spinning, um, except for last night because I was way too tired. I've got to start, I've got to start like doing, like getting back, yeah, getting back on my Peloton, getting back into strength training because I definitely feel it. (laughs) But you're still doing at least three to four hours. A yes. week right now, so it's uh, oh, not yeah. like you're. Completely, and I'm getting. Yeah. I'm. I'm going for walks. I'm going for walks right. in the evening. So you might like, be at five yeah. or six hours even. Yeah. But so basically, yeah, we kept up some load for me, and that really yeah. helped us to transition back to running. And then, yeah, optimism is just literally so. Yeah, once you're loading, you need to have optimism that this is going to work. Right, and and just remember, train your that, brain. Remember that this is a short, a short little blip in the pool. Like it, when you. Are, if, in the, the, pool. Pool, in the scheme <laughs> of things, when you are injured, it can feel like you are never going to get back to yeah. where you were. But when you zoom out, you realize it's so small. It's yeah. like a minuscule amount of time, eight weeks, 12 weeks, six, six months even. These are nine months, you know, one year. These are so small right. when you zoom into a long career of running, right? And especially if you're a newer runner and you're you're just into this and you're dealing with your first running injury, this is not the end. This does not mean no. your you can't over. be a runner. Like, I started running in fits and spurts in, like, 2008, really, like, d- jumped into the marathon in 2011, and that's, you know, 12... 12 years of running or uh, like marathoning and every time every time if I quit with my first injury I would have quit before I ever did my first marathon right exactly I had I had to take time off um for debilitating shin pain 
I assume it was stress fractures just because of the amount. Like, I couldn't even run a few steps down a hallway. Like, it was so bad. Um, and that's actually when I worked with Chip to change my oh, running, nice. running yeah. form. Um, and it was after, like, nine weeks off. Because I, I literally could not run after my students. Like, it was so painful. Yeah. Um, and even and yeah. some of these, and it looks like, again, you're like, oh, my God, what if I, ha-? as soon as you get injured, you're like, what if I can't run for six weeks, 12 weeks, whatever. And a lot of times, actually, it's like 10 days. It's not as long as yeah. it's, as you at first think you might be injured for. Now, that's to say that, you know, we definitely Sometimes have some chronic have injuries. you to take a little bit more so, time. Or you have yeah. something more serious that you have to take more time. Or some, you know. But well, sometimes I, I think sometimes runners we tend to try to in. jump back in a little too soon. True. Just remember that's where that's where having all these other activities that you can do, yeah. beca- it becomes really important um, to have other things so that you are not a runner. You are a person that runs and yes. also bikes and also pool runs and also right. moves joyfully in other ways. Exactly. So that if running is ever taken away for some reason, for a short time, your identity is not taken exactly. away. It's not your identity. Yeah. I love that. And I, I think that that's, I, I think that that is a huge mind shift with both of us for yes. like, yeah, because there was Especially, a t- yeah, even before we read Elizabeth's book, Elizabeth yeah. Flores' book, which that's where we are saying that from with the, uh, you know, it's, you're not a runner, you're a person who runs, but having to take this time off for my, my planter and you having to take time off with IBF, it's been a huge shift in our mindset. We did not have the tools to know that we, that, that this was not like the end of running. We're going to hang up our shoes or something like before this, it would have felt just, you know, severe and we would have probably been depressed. And now we were just Mm -hmm. like, okay with it. We're like, Oh, okay. And then when we get back to running, we're so grateful that we are back running, but we don't see it as like the only thing in our lives. So, um, so the last, yeah. So V and E, we talked about vascularization is getting blood flow again, blood flow, to the injured site will increase healing and recovery time and then exercise so you can bring it back in some mobility and strength so go to go to pt which i'm going to go to this morning and get it addressed not just like don't just let the injury be like oh the injury's gone great i'm better there's a reason why the injury cropped up for me i have chronically had you know issues on with one side of my body that's yeah. not i do not have the the proper biomechanics on that side of my body um you know, and that stems from like birth. From birth, yeah. I, yeah. And I literally was in foot like foot braces as a baby. Like I had the because I had a turned in foot, and so um, that leg and that foot always have problems. And so I've got essentially that leg turns in, so everything up the kinetic chain has an issue with it. The hips are out of alignment too, and so go to the PT. You know, get those correct exercises to yeah. strengthen that area for you if you have if you're especially if you're getting and chronic injuries on one side sometimes it can mean two pt appointments it doesn't necessarily right. mean six to eight weeks right. of full pt and i know in the state of virginia you can self-refer to physical therapy and you're like depending on your insurance but you don't need a doctor's referral I mean, if you do for your insurance, you do, but you don't need a doctor's referral to self-pay for physical therapy. You can go for 30 calendar days before you need a referral. Yeah. So you can go self-refer, like, get it checked out. My physical therapist is $125 a session and for self-pay, which... 
I mean, it's reasonable. It, like, I paid that much for acupuncture that's not covered. Like, yeah. yes, it's an investment, but if you can, if you're up front with them, hey, I'm I'm paying for this out of pocket because I also like Kaiser hat. I have Kaiser insurance, and Kaiser insurance is great, but their physical therapists are not athlete-focused, athlete they're mm-hmm. rehabilitation-focused. Like and so car accidents and Yeah, like so I like to, uh, and surgeries, and yeah. I like to go and see someone who, like, really understands athletes. Right. So go in, get an evaluation, get some, and then see if there's, like, hey, I'm trying to, trying to do most of this on my own, or I'm trying to right. come here for things that I can't do on my own. Be upfront about that. And, you know, very often you don't need to go um, you know, three times a week. Right. Now, also, you may find you have great insurance coverage for it, so use that insurance. Um, yeah. Our yeah, bodies are for, worth the investment. Yeah, <laughs> and use it for, like you said, things you can't necessarily do at home, so, like, dry needling, and you might need a prescription. And you might find, they say, well, you need a prescription. That's fine. Right. You can go get one pretty easily. The, and then so, something like dry needling is not, is not, like, the mobility exercise that you can do at home. It's the, other thing about, the other thing about physical therapy is remember to save your receipts because they are... Um, physical therapy is medical expense, yeah. so it is tax deductible if you itemize your taxes depending on, like, how much your expenses end up being. So just make sure that you're saving receipts for things like that yeah. because you're not – or you, if you have flexible spending dollars, yes. you can use flexible spending on that. You just – um, you know – so much in athletics, we think of this as a hobby, but sometimes, like, we're getting real medical intervention, and True. so make sure that, like, you know, you're kind of monitoring that stuff. And that's actually, you may actually even have um, some benefits through your insurance to, um, for your physical fitness. Yeah. So, yeah. depending on Yeah, depending check on out what place. you have. Um, I know, yeah, I have Care First, and they have a lot of that. Like, they are very keen yeah, on building up people's call fitness. Mask. Kaiser gives right? us the call yeah. map for yeah. free. I had no idea. Yeah, Care I First has that. a few of those too. I haven't looked at what they give, but they have yeah apps like meditation apps and things like that for free. So I was looking for questions in the in the Marine Corps group. Yeah. But the Marine Corps group is a lot of shout outs, and which is so awesome. Everybody has done so many great miles. Yeah, there. I did um, come there yesterday to answer a few questions for a few people. <laughs> like I was in there answering. In, maybe it was in the women of Marine Corps, but there, okay. you know, there was some questions about, um, you know, one one person asked about, um, you know, fuel, and so of course we've talked about that and how how much where do you store all this? Like first of all, how are you going to carry? This person was like already on it that they were going to carry, you know, sixty grams of carbs per hour Woo! or whatever. Yeah. They were like, so how do I carry fourteen gels? Yeah. <laughs> I and mean, that's a great question. How do you carry Where do you put gels? them if you're not I mean, carrying you're a pack? Sports bra. <laughs> sports bra. Um, so we have like our Sunita pockets, you know, Sunita pocket shorts, shorts are really. That can fit a lot of them. You can pin some to the outside of your shorts because you're yeah. going to take them early on. So you pin those with a safety pin on the outside and then you, you know, pull them off as you go. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we wear um, a belt with our phones in it and I'll pack a few extras in there. And it's hard yeah. for me to get my phone out at first, but I'll use those ones first. Yeah. And keep because yeah, like if you have the you could have yeah. a pocket on your water bottle, like they make water bottle things with pockets on it. Um, you know, there's there's lots of ways. I I think the Sunita shorts are really where it's at. They're so comfortable, and the pockets on the Rio Lux, the high waisted Lux Rio shorts, 
The pockets are so big. Yeah. You can fit so you much. You can definitely in them. get like probably You look a little four. ridiculous. Yeah, it's all puffed <laughs> out. You can definitely get like at least four or five in each pocket, but then you still might need two or three more. So you can find other ways to like yeah. pin them or put them in your like phone um. And then belt. there will also there will also be nutrition on the course. The other thing is Marine Corps is so great mm-hmm. and it's so easy to see people at Marine Corps that you can have someone you can plan to have someone meet you around. Yeah. I think it's sixteen, seventeen, like down in the city. Where, where you run up and around that park so they can see you on both sides. And give you some fuel. Yeah. And because some of the events, like, so um, New York, for one, doesn't allow, you know, some of the majors, or all the majors maybe, don't allow, like, hydration vests. So, yeah, you'll probably want to practice with some other ways to carry your your fuel. if you Because the hydration vest obviously would allow you to carry all of that in it, but a lot of those majors don't allow them. I don't know if Marine Corps allows hydration vests or not. Actually, okay, so actually, this is a great question. Um, does anybody running the Marine Corps do a fitness job on top of training? I saw this that is one. this is her third Marine Corps, and she can't wait. She teaches group fitness classes and she teaches nine classes a week of cardio, spin, and strength. Last year and this year, um, I'm uh, walking the finish line of running. Oh, I'm, the, I'm walk, the fine line. The of, fine line yeah. of running, teaching, and overtraining. Now that we're in high mileage zone, I wonder how important the weekly low mileage zones are. Cardio is not the issue. I say humbly, as I'm following the novice too. I find my muscles are tired, and trying to find the right balance without overtraining. My suggestion would be drop your weekday runs, do your long runs, mm-hmm. and count your fitness classes as your as your as your work and if if that is not in line with your marathon goals then you're going to need to figure out how to teach your classes in an in a truly low zone so that you can do your like if you either have to readjust your marathon goal or readjust your work, one or the other, because you can yeah. have it all, but you can't have it all at the same time. Yeah, I think, and I saw one of the people who responded, who's also an, a fitness instructor, said that essentially they just can't do, they can't really have time goals. Yeah. And that's, that stinks, yeah. but like, because, it does. because they're taking, they're not able to go do their speed workouts if they're also training some high intensity level fitness class that's a, right. you know, that's getting them up and, to those high intensity zones. And now you may still have some pretty decent results in the marathon, but the long right. run is the most important thing in the marathon right. and everything else you're doing teaching is probably enough for even, you know, kind of reaching the middle of your potential. Like... I mean, I think back about when I broke four hours the first time. I wasn't doing any speed training. I was just racing often, you know, low, like shorter events, 5Ks and things. I had, done, I had a bunch of half marathons under my belt. I was still just doing a marathon a year. Um, and so it was really, and my long runs. So it was really my base fitness that got me to that time. And so, and experience, because the marathon is so much about experience. And so this being Mm -hmm. her third, this, uh, so Kimberly, this being your third marathon, you are set up for automatic improvement just based on experience in the marathon. Um, And honestly, you either have to chill out and just teach and not participate during these workout, these fitness classes, or... You know, 
decide to drop those those workouts. Um, because also doing those workouts half-ass is just going to get you on that line of overtraining. Like, it's not worth it. Yeah. Um, yeah. We so. Speaking of experience, yeah, we were we had finished our run on Sunday. We were standing there doing our pictures, our little, yeah. like, silly pictures. We'd set up our phones. And this couple came by, and we were chit-chatting with them. Yeah. And you told them that you were pregnant. Yes. And the the lady was, like, saying how, you know, oh, she never ran a marathon pregnant. She's now, she actually does ultras now, and she did stop just short. And I said, and I was thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, I didn't either. And at that time, though, when I got pregnant with Julian, I had done, I think, 12 marathons at that mm-hmm. point. And... You, you know, and at this point, you've done 29. Yeah. And so you are much more experienced in marathoning. It doesn't necessarily mean you'll like do it race day. Like, it's still up in the air. But I also don't stress about the distance. Right. Like, the idea of crossing that distance doesn't, it doesn't fill me Phase with any and, anxiety. Yeah. I don't have any doubt that I'm going to be able to do it. Like, I just have this confidence that... You know, I'm going to be able to go out there and have a good day running 26.2 miles. Like, right. Because, I've because you've all, also done it so many times that I, you know that it's, you know, something you can right. comfortably and finish. It's so funny. Without straining yourself. Because I, I do know that marathons are hard. Like, I am not crazy. Yeah. I do know that they're we hard. We do respect the distance. <laughs> I respect the distance. I understand that things fall apart and you do feel miserable at certain times yes. during them. That completely understand, have felt it, have lived there. I also have been on the other side of it and know that it's very temporary. And I also know even in that moment how to get myself out of that headspace because it's so mental. It's so much more mental than it is physical. And I just think back to like riding in the car with Tina Muir before my CIM. And I was like, I'm going to do so great. It's going to be awesome. And she's like, She's, like, genuinely concerned for me. She's like, Liz, you know it's a marathon. You know it's going to be hard, right? Yeah. Like, don't forget that it's going to be hard. And, like, she's like, I know that you can do it. But, like, I mean, she she literally was scared for me that I was going to, <laughs> yeah. um, that I was Burn unrealistic about and, yeah. how it was going to feel. But that marathon was still number 20 plus, like, you know, right. so. so it's, it's and so it's tough nothing. because I, I think she, at the time, only had she four done, or five yeah. marathons True. under her. So really with experience, and especially if you've done them at all different paces, yeah. you can really, like, kind of know where you are. You like, know yourself better yeah. and at these distances. Actually, that actually reminds me so much of Ken, who, our friend yeah. Ken, the Hobo Runner, who on Saturday he went to do Revel. And, you know, of course he's a pacer, or we've yeah. talked for he's a pacer he's done a bazillion marathons he's yeah. not training he just does a bazillion marathons and then runs his five miles a day so he's been averaging like 100 miles a week without doing any speed work yeah so on uh the, earlier this year he ran a 251 which was already a, a PR, pr of by nine minutes nine minutes yeah. he decided to go for it and go for a 240 on saturday with zero zero like training to get him to a 240 and it was a revel so the first half is extreme downhill Actually, yeah. there's there's one uphill in there. He said at mile four, and then it's extreme downhill until like twenty two miles. First half he ran in a one eighteen, which is oh a five fifty nine average or five fifty eight average, and then the second half he did slow a little bit, but his total average he ran a two forty four forty five. His total average was six seventeen. He was age group. He age grouped third place age group, and, and he's never run that fast before. Nope, and, and never ran that fast. It's still a Ken, six minute PR of this year, which is like a fifteen minute PR. And Ken has improved so much. Ken has improved so much as a runner, like since 
pacing in 2019. He paced me to my yep. first, um, first BQ. BQ. And he's improved a lot as a runner, and he's definitely a distance runner. He has a lot of foot speed. Like, but I dusted, I dusted him at, that finish at line. the finish line <laughs> of Mountains to Beach. I he's like counting down, and and I start taking yeah. off, and like I felt the shock in his face, and we I crossed the finish line. He goes, I had no idea you could run that fast, <laughs> four fifty pace or whatever. It was at like the end of a marathon, but like experience matters so yeah, much. It definitely and, does. And having done different paces, and like so, he was able to throw that goal out there and say, I'm going to go for two forty, knowing that like he's never even run. No. Under 250, and he's never run, and he well, just ran under three once this year. And that's it. Experience really, yeah. experience can really help you make informed decisions. Yes, about what you're capable of, and I think that that's where a lot of new runners go wrong. Is yes. they think they have enough experience to make these decisions about goals, about time goals. So often. We look at the pace charts. We look at what we want. We look what other people are doing. And we look at what we want. And we're like, I want this, so this is my goal. So we back into it, essentially. Like you say, well, you know, I want to run a sub two half. Okay, but what in your, you know, training has shown that you have that ability in the last few months? Like, okay, maybe you've done it before five, ten years ago or three years ago, whatever. But what have you done you know, lately. And so and I just have, because you want it doesn't mean it's you're capable of it right now. I have now. to tell you, it's so much more fun to run with friends than it is to run paces. Yeah. Like, it can be fun to set a time goal and run paces, but no, no time goal, no Boston qualifier, no um, PR has ever felt as good three months later, six months later than remembering a finish where I ran with a friend. So, like, I think about our mountains to beach versus my CIM. That CIM feels so, like, where I ran by myself, it feels like just a race I ran, even though that was the time that allowed me to run Boston. It just felt like something I did. Whereas, like, our our Mountains to Beach felt like something we did together. Right. It was an experience. Like, I will remember that. Reflect those memories. Yeah, right, or those exactly. memories together. Exactly. Whereas, right. like, I mean, even, like, my first, my first um, BQ at Mountains to Beach in 2019, I had Ken with me. And, like, I feel bad that I robbed you of getting that because we were like on pace and we should have just slowed down and run with you no. it was like no but I was so happy that you got it because that's what we came there for yeah. that's what we that's what that we, was like we trained for and that's what time, we came there for but, to, yeah so I, I don't you know I like as much as I was disappointed myself it you know I learned a lot of lessons and again yeah, it was my 12th marathon like we're going for yeah. 11th it was my 11th because yeah. Reston was my 10th it was my 11th and my 12th was grandma's but um, I have another question that, yeah. and I did, I answered the guy already, and I think we talked about it. So, um, Tom asked, help me out, I'm conflicted. I'm typically a 3.30-ish marathoner. Yay, go Tom. I'm four years removed from my last marathon because of acute Achilles tendonitis, oh. and I've not been able to get back into the groove. Ouch. I'm leaning towards selling my bib, but after playing around with conservative numbers, I think I can do a 5.30 marathon with Run Walk. I've done zero marathon training this summer, but occasionally, occasional runs 10 to 15 miles per week total. Has anyone attempted and completed a marathon with this little training relying on a run-walk strategy? This would be my fifth marathon, MCM marathon, get me into the club, me too. And um, the only thing keeping me motivated was, you know, getting the run club. 
Otherwise, he would he wouldn't do it because he's not in the shape to run a marathon. You know what? We ought to reach out and be like, "Hey, you want to come run seventeen miles with us this weekend?" Yeah. Um. Yeah. We talked about this. We talked about this. Um. Yesterday, actually, on our run, and we definitely think um, that you can do this. Uh, we run walk to do a five thirty. If you're a three thirty marathoner, yes. Our, my suggestion is 30-30 intervals because they're nice and simple. They're the same right. each one. You don't get off track if you miss, yep. if you were accidentally run through one um, beep or walk through baby, one beep. Baby, that Achilles tendon, if it's yeah. hurting, I would try to get into the pool twice a week and one run a week. Do just your long run on land, and I would do your other runs in the pool. That's and I mean, practice that's what I the, would do. the practice the run walk. You know, yeah. practice that now. Don't just show up on race day to do run walk because eh, that will. I mean, fine. you can, but like, it, I think but it's just easy. Like, should, if you're gonna get give through them your long run miles, way easier with, with run walk. Exactly. So go ahead and so do go it. do some long run miles with um, it now. And then the great, the most, the key is that he's throwing out time goals because he's. I mean, by saying five thirty, two hours slower than he can run normally, that's essentially throwing out his mm. time goal. Because that'd be like right now us saying six no ten instead of four ten. No offense to anybody whose right. time goal is five thirty. Oh no, not at all. It is absolute. It does not matter. Running a marathon is incredible. It is amazing. The only time goals you need to know that you can beat in a marathon is you need to know that you can beat the course limit. Right. So if there's and a seven I'm hour gonna, limit, and I'm going to stay strict on that. You have no business signing up and trying a race where you are not proven already to be faster than the time goal. There are plenty of marathons out there that have slower, longer time goals for your first marathon. So if you if you are on the slower end and there's a six-hour course limit and your best marathon is a 630, it's not time to do that marathon yet. Yeah. Yet. You can do it someday, but I, I will always remember that runner getting so mad that they didn't get did an official the, time. Right. On the, uh, did they get a medal? I so some, It depends on the race. So what's interesting, like New York, for example, they've actually just extended it from 6.30 to 7. That's awesome. So you have seven hours for the course to be officially open. But... If you are slower than seven, New York is one of the few races out there that does not close the finish line That's amazing. at all. They do close the course. So you, for safety reasons, if you are slower than seven hours, you have to be really aware of that. You're not going to have – there's not going to be water stops for you. They're not going to have closed roads for you. You're going to end up on sidewalks. On sidewalks. But they, you will get a medal if you finish at 12 hours. That's amazing. There have been people who finish in 12, 14 hours. They get their medal still. That's amazing. So that's, that's incredible. Yeah, so New York's amazing that way. And just be aware, though, for safety reasons, though, if you're and which is great that they've changed it from 6.30 to 7 because it gives more people just that you yeah. know, that knowledge that they will be okay. They will have the course And isn't open. that from the last start? From the last start. So, right. so. From the last wave because, of course, there are five waves at New York, and they start at, like, 8 something or 9 a.m. and the last wave is going to be at like noon. And which so, means most people, which means most people will have 8 or 9 hours. If they, right, unless you're already in, like let's say you're seated into the last wave because you're yeah. at 5.30 finisher normally, but you're slightly injured and you're worried that you're not going to finish within 6.30 right. hours, 7 hours. But Yeah, um, but I'm, I mean, there are some smaller races that have time limits. Cutoffs. Like cutoffs, yeah. like, like just... Just plan 
And, you know, Disney is one that has a 16-minute per mile, which is, right. that's pretty long. Is that seven hours? I probably have to look it up. Yeah. And I, everybody's worried, always worried about getting the balloon ladies in their corral <laughs> to be ahead of the, but only the first three, first three or first four corrals are seated. The rest is just random selection. So I would never be worried about a Disney race. It's 6.59.30. Um, yeah. So 16 minutes. So it's just so, under seven hours. Exactly seven hours. So, and to be honest, if that's the best you can do, like maybe try some shorter races first and try to work on that foot speed. Um, because it is a lot on your body to do something for seven hours. Yeah. I got. I've done marathons are hard no matter what time right. you do them in, but the longer you're they, out there, though they are harder. The longer yeah, you're out there, out there on your they feet. really are. And so remember that. Um, I did a marathon, and like, if your best is in that slower range, that is twice as hard as someone's marathon who's like someone who's a four hour marathon. Yeah. Because you're out there twice as long. So it it's it's hard to think about that because it's like, well, they do, mar- like, I want to do marathons too. It's twice as hard. You might need twice as much recovery. You might need twice as much training. Yeah. And that's, that's really hard to, like, kind of wrap your head around. Yeah, like those so. long runs. Like, a lot of people... You know, might Stop say, at oh, I'm going to cap at three hours. hours. Right. But if you're doing... You can't cap yeah. it at three hours if you're right. going to be a six-hour marathon. And that's where the Galloway method is so great. And, you know, again, we believe everybody can do marathons, but there's being, like, methodical and, like, thinking about, like, how to actually... How to approach it is really important. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm, I don't want to dissuade anyone from their goals, but I do want people to, to respect the distance and respect the time on their feet. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and there is no shame in doing 5Ks and 10Ks and half marathons. You do not have to do a marathon to prove yourself. You don't have to do anything more than live your life. You don't have to prove anything to anyone. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's It so. should be for yourself. It should be internally motivated. It should not be because you're trying to prove something to someone else. And if you have anxiety about a race coming up, like, like life is too short to have anxiety about something as silly as running. <laughs> Like, uh, relax, sure. you know, if you're like, oh, but I'm not going to perform the way that I want, like, you know, maybe look inside about that. If you're, it, it is smart, though. I am not trained to do what I want. Yeah. That is a good reason to say, okay, maybe we push this off. Right. You know, a lot of races let you defer. So if that's, you know, if this isn't your year, that's okay. There's there's always next year and there's other races. And we also talked about this the other day is don't be afraid to throw away a race registration. Yeah. It might oh, feel yeah. like, oh my gosh, but I, you know, I so spent money, money on this. You know, it's 150 bucks or whatever. But, you know, sometimes that 150 bucks might save you a lot in the long run if you yeah. have to if you have to throw it away and not run the race yeah. this year. Yeah, because you know, like it's also just think of it as a donation to keeping the, running going. Exactly. <laughs> there is a set number. They have, you know, a certain number of registrations and they have a percentage of attrition that they know people aren't going to finish. So they, yeah. they it's built into the numbers. So when they know there's gonna be, you know, 
28,000 finishers at Marine Courts because they sold 32,000 bibs. Yeah. They know that there's yeah. going to be attrition. That's okay. So just be, be so, okay with donating yeah. to the cause. And, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, we're, I, I am still perfectly, like, on plan. If I don't feel good, I won't be running Marine right. Corps. But I'm not going to transfer my bib. I'm just going to, you know... I'm just going to say that I'm doing it, and fingers crossed I'll be able to. So Yeah. So, all right. Well, I think that is probably a good episode for today, and hopefully we'll come back with another episode, like, update after our 17-miler, maybe. Um, so we can share how, how that went. Yeah. it goes. Jumping yeah. up to about three hours Oh, my gosh. It's, we it's can do this. It's a pretty big jump. It's it a is. pretty big jump. And, you know, if, if something happens where... You know, it's not going right or going well or beforehand. We can always decide to possibly, like, do part of it in the pool. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for hanging out. And hopefully you actually will get two episodes this week. (laughs) (laughs) And then we'll be back to um, publishing weekly (laughs) live-ish. All right. right. Bye. Bye.